have Adam Kleberger on today, fierce, tough flanker for Rugby Canada. Over 30 tests with Canada, played in the 07 and the 2011 Rugby World Cups. Uh, played a number of seasons over in Europe. 2011 World Cup, he started the Fear the Beer craze, and he's currently strength and conditioning with Rugby Canada, but he's also moving into Talent ID with Rugby Canada. He talks to us about that role. So coming up next is Adam Kleberger. Welcome back to the Canadian Ruck. This is Jamie Gray coming to you from Ross St. Brunswick. Uh, as you might have guessed that little intro, we've got uh, Adam Kleberger as our special guest today. Uh, very exciting to chat with Adam here last week and uh, hopefully enjoy the podcast. There's a nice picture of him in the line out if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, our, as always, uh, love hearing from you We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email. Uh, watch, listen, subscribe and follow us. Make sure you follow, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or CastBox. Those are the locations where you can find our pod. Uh, and just to let everybody know, we still have a couple of hoodies left. Uh, beautiful Canadian rock hoodies. If you're interested, please let me know. Uh, there's a couple still available. The rest went pretty quick. A uh, little feedback. I want to give a shout out to Tobin Hammerberg. Uh, he sent me a nice email thanking me for the content. Uh, appreciate your feedback, Tobin. Uh, I'm not sure where you're from, but uh, I'm glad you're listening. You're able to hear uh, some good rugby stories about some great Canadian rugby players and a, and a couple of internationals thrown into the mix as well. So we're changing up our process today. Is uh, Normally, we would do a little bit of breaking news, uh, maybe talk about gray area, just something that I'm, uh, I'm, I guess I'm stumped on. I want to challenge you to think about. Uh, we're just going to kind of do a quick recap um, of our pods so in case you didn't know, we have a website now where everything's kind of hosted. It's uh, the CanadianRuck.Weebly.com. All right, so the CanadianRuck.Weebly.com. Check it out. Homepage uh, kind of gives you a little bit of breakdown of what the Ruck's about. And then when you scroll down, you're going to see some still shots of the Zoom video calls of uh, the guests that I've had on. All right. And uh, so these are just for the video calls. If you click a link, so if you click the Filmac link, it's going to take you to that YouTube link, uh, et cetera, with all these other uh, other fine guests. Right. The next page over is where you're going to get to all the pods. So the first handful or so, we didn't actually get to do videos. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get uh, onto the Zoom. Somebody, my son actually recommended that we open up a YouTube channel as well. Uh, I think we were four or five, maybe six pods in at that point. So to listen, they're all here. You scroll down to the bottom. We go to our number one pod, which was Cole Keith, uh, good, good, uh, good bloke from Appalachian Brunswick, just outside of Sussex. Talks to us about his time playing with Team Canada and with the Toronto Arrows. Uh, great conversation with Cole. He's enjoying some time off with COVID right now, and he's excited at the prospect of uh, potentially heading to Hawaii next year. That would be pretty cool. Second pod was Chauncey O'Toole. Um, Chauncey's the only one where we've actually had get to sit down in person and talk. We met at, at Foghorn Brewery in Rossi, New Brunswick. Great little uh, microbrewery, some great ales, and Chauncey and I had a great conversation. He's a, he's a good wild boy from New Brunswick. Uh, so the first two guests are both from New Brunswick. Then we jump uh, to Eves Pellerin. Eves was a, was a chatty, chatty man about his thoughts on rugby in New Brunswick. I had great ideas. Uh, he, at the time, he was the president of the NBRU, but has since been, uh, he, he wasn't re-elected, uh, unfortunately, because uh, he has some great ideas as to how to strengthen and grow the game in New Brunswick. So if you're, if you're into the uh, you know, administrative side or you're into the business side of rugby uh, and you're looking for great ideas, listen, listen to Eve's pod. It was really intelligent. From there, we look at another executive. We went to Bill Webb, uh, president of the Toronto Arrows, president and CEO of Toronto Arrows, and one of the most passionate rugby men that I've ever spoken with, rugby people that I've ever spoken with. Great, great thoughts on the game and the Toronto Arrows and what they can do to uh, help Rugby Canada and how important the MLR is going to be to rugby on this side of the pond. Uh, from there, we head back to New Brunswick. Uh, Jeb Sinclair, a Fredericton boy who's now living out west, um, probably one of the funnier guests that we've had on. He sure loves to talk and uh, gives great thoughts on the game, but also doing it with a good flair and <laughs> uh, with, with great laughs involved in the process. And then we went big. Then we went James Pritchard. Uh, uh, James is Canada's all-time leading scorer. Uh, great interview. He's back over in, in Brisbane, Australia. He's doing some coaching over there, enjoying his time uh, away from playing and, and taking up the coaching aspect of things. Um, 
great guy. He's, you know, he's interested in potentially getting back to Canada in a coaching role. Uh, would love to see that happen because I think he could do some wonders with, uh, with Canada as well. But there's another great pod for you to listen to. Then we get to our first female. Uh, I, was, I was lucky enough, I reached out to Maria Sampson. Um, and Maria, again, same as uh, most of these other ones, is just, uh, is just the audio. Um, she was a female player of the year in 2012. Uh, great discussion about women's rugby and listening to her story. Um, but very passionate about the game and uh, the state of the women's game in Canada. Very knowledgeable. So she is a great, great interview for sure. And then from there, we jump to our first quarantine roundtable. All right, episode eight. This is uh, this is video. This one was pretty fun. We had those three New Brunswick guys. We had Cole Keith, Chauncey O'Toole, and Jeb Sinclair talking about some different things that have been going on uh, at the time. Uh, you know, the the Joe Mahler incidents where he uh, you know, fondled friendly uh, Alan Jones. Uh, you know, some other things that were happening. So at the time, uh, games were just kind of winding up before COVID. So we had some some footage that we could kind of discuss. Then we get into some uh, big shots here. We get Al Sharon, uh, Canadian legend. Al talks about his playing days, uh, all things rugby. Just great listening to this guy, reminisce about his heyday playing and uh, the state of the game in Canada. Uh, it was it was a lengthy call, but Al made it interesting. He, uh, he he liked to talk about his old mates. He liked to talk about what area rugby is going in Canada and things that can be done. And you're gonna you'll really enjoy listening to Al's thoughts on the game. And then we we uh, had the pleasure of talking with Heather Moyes from Prince Edward Island. Uh, Heather is a right now she's a motivational speaker in a sense. She's got a, a book out called Redefining Realistic. Um, she has her own website. She was a member of Rugby Canada in the 06 and 2010 Rugby World Cup. She's got a two gold medals with Winter Olympics and bobsledding. She cycled for Canada Pan Am Games. Um, just amazing all-around talent. Uh, hugely supportive of the multi-sport athletes. I mean, she was 27 before she picked up bobsledding. Played sevens rugby, 15s rugby, uh, and the list goes on and on. <clears throat> great, great person to chat with. And we get to uh, uh, pod 11 was Tyler Ardron, Team Canada captain. Uh, at the time, he was in lockdown over in New Zealand. Uh, he started the season off with the Chiefs. Uh, as the Chiefs season was supposed to be done when his contract was, um, but because COVID happened and it got extended, he unfortunately didn't get to finish the year with the Chiefs, and he's now over in France, uh, and he's kind of in, the, in limbo waiting to clear quarantine procedures before he can start training with his club there in Castor. Next up is DTH Vandermeerway, one of the most dynamic and electrifying players Canada's ever had. Um, just recently hung them up with Glasgow uh, over in Scotland, and uh, currently he's looking potentially to come over to North America and play a little bit in the MLR before he, I guess he really wants to decide to hang him up. Uh, so we were emailing the other day, and he's, uh, he said, yeah, I'm just, you know, kind of exploring some options, and that'll be really cool. I'd love to see DTH back on this side of the pond, tearing up, uh, tearing up some grass on, on this side, and uh, he's never a disappointment on the pitch, and he's never uh, never a disappointment in a, in a conversation as well. And then from there, we go to our, our first local legend series, and it was the Blyle Rovers, and we had some good buddies of mine on, uh, just talking about State of Game in, in New Brunswick. Uh, favorite rugby songs, favorite rugby traditions, things like that. But the pod features Gary Keynes, a.k.a. Jaime, uh, Corey Sprague, which is Archie, Dave Ness, known as Dirty, uh, and our good friend Craig Moose Barnett, who unfortunately passed away uh, less than a month ago uh, due to cancer. And uh, uh, he's still missed every day. Uh, great, great lad, great rugby player, and just an all-around fierce and loyal friend to uh, anything Blau Rovers. Uh, truly missed, and uh, we will continue to miss him. Uh, but from there, we jump back. We go from local legends to national legend Gareth Reese. Um, you know, Canadian Canada's first member inducted in the World Rugby Hall of Fame. Uh, kind of an icon, absolutely. Very gracious, uh, great thoughts on the game, and had a real good conversation with him while he was enjoying some downtime out in British Columbia. When we get back, we get another local legend series. This time we go to uh, the ladies' game. We get the St. John Irish. We get Chelsea and Katie on. Um, two very knowledgeable girls in the sport of rugby. Um, great ideas and thoughts as to how to grow the game at the rookie le rugby level, at the senior level, 
how do we get more women involved? Uh, these two, uh, this is a conversation you don't want to miss because these two know their stuff. Uh, and they, they really had a good time on the conversation on the podcast. Then we kind of stretched our boundaries. We, uh, we went to the NHL. Uh, Brad May, Mayday, uh, he, he agreed to join me on the podcast. Brad played over 1,000 games in the NHL. Uh, over 19 seasons, won the Stanley Cup in 2007 with Anaheim Ducks, which is one of the hardest, if not the hardest, trophy to win in all team sports. But he also played rugby in high school and provincially. And he still really enjoys the game. He said he's been out and watched uh, some sevens tournaments, just uh, just keen on the game and, and how it helped him, uh, you know, NHL-wise, like toughen him up a little bit and, and helped him become more gritty. And I think, I think this is a pod that uh, a lot of people would like to listen to. Then we get to this. This one was pretty fun. Episode 17. Fortunate enough to uh, Tyler get us on with a, a Chiefs roundtable. We picked up Sand Kane and Lachlan Bozier. So Lachlan's a uh, dynamic uh, forward, a dynamic flanker for the Chiefs down in New Zealand. Uh, he's coming into his own. He's got a really good chance to push for an all-black spot. And then we also have Sam Kane and, you know, we, we recorded this conversation on like, you know, a Tuesday night or whatever it was. And I think it was less than 48 hours later that Sam was introduced as the All Blacks captain. So for me, that was uh, a huge thrill uh, chatting with uh, an All Black and a, a soon to be All Black. And then obviously the future all, uh, Captain All Black, which was, uh, which was interesting. And then, you know, Tyler's very gracious guest, very humble, but very funny. And, uh, captain of team Canada. So we had some big names there, which is a lot of fun. And then we get into, you know, one of my favorite pods is Magalie Harvey, very, very outstanding rugby player and extremely personable. Just, just fun. Our first call, she uh, got tied up at her new job and, and uh, couldn't make it home in time. She was super apologetic, uh, but made up for it for sure, because we had some really good laughs listening to her rugby story and talk about rugby and the state of the, the women's game in particular in Canada. Uh, so you're going to want to sit back and enjoy that. She was, uh, she was a great pleasure. Uh, another good one, Connor Trainer, um, sevens and 15 star. Um, talked a lot about his travel and the enjoyment with the game, uh, a little bit of playing pro in France. And then, uh, you know, really looking ahead to the Olympics in 2021, you know, like most rugby players and I guess athletes he's he's disappointed that there's no Olympics this summer but uh for the safety of everybody that makes sense so now he's kind of had to refocus and reshift his his thinking to prep for 2021 um but he was uh he was quite funny and, and enjoyable conversation and uh, uh had a had a really good time chatting with Connor John Moonlight uh legendary sevens rugby star uh played some 15s as well and uh he's just one of those guys when he's on the pitch he just you know something's going to happen. He's either going to crack somebody hard, or he's going to he's going to get a nice line break. And uh, his conversation was the same. He didn't hold back. If he felt something was wrong, he would tell you. Uh, he like most uh, a lot of retired uh, rugby players in Canada, they've turned to firefighting. So John has uh, DTH is looking into it. Chauncey's a firefighter, uh, and, and John actually mentioned a few others that have kind of gone down that train of thought. It's you know the the team aspect, the camaraderie aspect for sure. And then we get to another uh, local legends. That should be part three. That's a typo. But we had, we had some. We had Kim, Jesse, Josh, and Stu on from the Moncton Black Tide, and uh, all four of these four of these people are really really strong rugby minds. Um, you know, Stu's been around the longest. Uh, he's been playing since the early nineties, if not before senior rugby, and he just kind of keeps going and going and going. Uh, and then Kim, Jesse, and Josh, uh, you know, follow right along Stu talking about in the Moncton area, which is the largest city in New Brunswick, how they can uh, continue to have an impact on uh, sports in New Brunswick and uh, in the Moncton area in specific. So it's a great conversation, a great way to get some ideas if you're looking for ways to uh, improve turnouts and improve attendance with your, with your club. And it was, this one was pretty cool. I reached out to Kingsley Jones, who's a, uh, a coach of Team Canada, and uh, had a great chat with Kingsley. Um, we sat and we chatted for two, two and a half hours. I mean, the conversation that you're going to hear is, you know, 45 minutes to an hour long, but we chatted for a good half an hour before the recording and another half an hour to an hour afterwards, just talking all things rugby, his time playing, his time coaching, what Canada has to do to kind of move back up the ranks as we've been trending down the last, you know, 10 years or so. And uh, he's got some really good thoughts in the game, really good minds. Uh, I think he's, he's a Canada's, club is in pretty good hands with Kingsley at the helm and then uh not to I guess 
you know, the other 26, 27 pods have been awesome, but I think this one was one of my favorites, uh, if not my favorite. Uh, Doug Frazier's a great, great lad. Um, but he combined a couple of my thing, my two of my favorite things. One is rugby to talk about, and the other is like human rights. And we spent half the pod talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, and, and the, you know, we really dug in deep on the plague of racism. Uh, and if that's something that interests you, like listen to Doug's story uh, growing up and, uh, you know, playing a handful of games with Canada, but now being a standout wing with Ogilvy DC and the MLR, uh, you know, every time I get a chance, I plug him. Uh, Kingsley, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, give Doug another chance with Team Canada because he's a dynamic, gritty, tough, uh, just uh, not only great athlete, but uh, one of the best humans that you're going you're gonna to come across. And we had a little fun. Uh, episode 24, we did a, a little interview with the super boys at Super Rugby Pod, Damien and Toby. Uh, this was pretty neat because uh, these guys talk uh, Super Rugby. And uh, they're enjoying, they're, they both live in England right now, but both from New Zealand. So we spent a good 45 minutes just chatting about the state of game in New Zealand. Um, you know, talked about uh, some of the pod, or some of the games that had happened over that weekend. And uh, our thoughts looking forward to what uh, Super Rugby can bring. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet, take a listen to them. Those are, those guys are on the Super Rugby podcast, uh, knowledgeable, funny, and uh, definitely worth a listen. And then from there, we get episode 25. We had Phil Mack, uh, dynamic scrum half for Canada, sevens and fifteens. Uh, just a super gritty guy, and uh, he brought that intensity that he played with on the field onto the Canadian ruck. Uh, enjoyed chatting with him about his time playing rugby and uh, what his thoughts are moving forward. And that takes us to our episode 26, which is just, you know, before this, we had, uh, lucky enough, Doug, Doug reached out to the beast, Tendai Matuarira, which I know is pronounced incorrectly, but uh, I, I try. I'm sorry, beast, if you listen to this. Um, but we had a great conversation. Fortunately, beast is super busy. He's, uh, he's a CEO of a company now. And uh, he was late getting on the pod because he got tied up at work. And then he had to leave a little bit early because he had a call to go back for something else for work. So, you know, it was supposed to be a good hour long conversation turned out to about 35 minutes. You could tell he didn't want to leave. Like he kept talking, but he also knew that he had to go. So we kind of had to, we kind of had to cut off, but it was a great conversation listening to him talk about uh, winning the world cup over in Japan just last year and uh, his short stint with old glory DC and, uh, a real fun conversation with the beast and with Doug, uh, two great guys and definitely, definitely worth the listen. And from there, the website, you got the areas where you stream and I've already talked about that YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google podcast and cast box. And then we've got our coming soon page. We've got a lot of guests up. So this is Adam Cleaver. We've also got Jamie Cudmore, Pam Lisa, Karen Paquin, Jeff Hassler, Ray Barkwell. They're all, uh, recorded and on the queue and getting ready to, to be posted. Typically, I post one a week, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe do two a week now, just because I've got a, a good list here. I've got Mark Wyatt uh, ready to go, uh, ready to be chatted with. Same as Nadia Popov, David Lockie, Jack Hanratty, and then some more local legend series with the Trojans and Loyalists out here in Brunswick. And then we have the ref roundtable. We're still trying to get that one squared away with Ian Wilson, Alan Green, and Shanda Mosher Galeans. All right. There's a little bit of information on the website here about uh, myself uh, and the Canadian Rock. Before you was reading that, you can definitely read it. And then there's our contact info. I didn't kind of go over it on the pod, but there's our email link, Facebook account, Twitter info, and Instagram profile all there for you. And then lastly, this is a this is a neat one. I know some people said, well, why why did you put a section in for your favorite pods? Uh, it's because I'm here to grow, grow the game. I'm not here to make money. I don't get paid for this. Um, saying that, if there's somebody out there that wants to pay for advertising, I all ears, I, I wouldn't mind making a few extra bucks. But this is just a great way for me, I think, to give back to the game and try to promote the game uh, by telling uh, telling some information, giving some information, but allowing uh, Canadian icons, rugby icons, a chance to tell their story. And that is, to me, a really nice way to allow people to see their path to see how they get to where they are uh, and by doing that it spreads the game but also another way to spread the game is to to listen and talk to other people so as again as i said but one of my favorites is the super rugby pod listen to, to damien and toby talk uh over overseas about the super uh super rugby uh, focusing really on the art roa 
and a little bit of rugby Australia right now, which is just starting. And a new one that's just started. They've only there were only two uh, pods in, but uh, Dale and Stanford and Rob McDowell started this one called the Rugby Hive, and it's similar to the Canadian Rock, but they're they're kind of looking more um, international players in Canada. Uh, they had Brian Habana on as their first pod, and that was that was a great conversation. Uh, definitely take a sit back and, and listen to that. We'll put it on in the car, grab a couple of beer while you're sitting on the back deck, whatever. But it's it's a really good one. And another great one is uh, Le Rouge Rugby, another Canadian one. This one kind of focuses on Toronto Arrows and the Major League Rugby, but make sure you give a good listen to Le Rouge Rugby because it's uh, it's got some great Canadian content uh, on the professional scene um, and very knowledgeable guys that run that pod as well. And a few others, these ones are more uh, European in sense, House of Rugby, uh, Egg Chasers, and the Rugby Pod. The Rugby Pod's pretty funny. Um, Andy Good. Uh, and Big Jim Hamilton are the, the key guests every weekend. Andy Rose, the host. Um, but those guys throw some great conversation, conversational mix in uh, to the to the to the rugby pod. So, saying that, that was uh, it's been a lot of fun, uh, and we're going to keep going. So, Adam Kleberger's coming up on Pod Twenty Seven, and as you can see, that list of who we have left on tap, we have a lot. We have at least 13 more to go, and I'm just going to keep plugging away because I have an amazing amount of uh, excitement when I when I get to chat with these guests. It's a lot of fun, and it uh, it brings me a lot of happiness in my life just chatting with some of these people who I've you know like uh, Al Sean or Gareth Reese who I grew up watching to the guys like a Jeff Hassler or a Adam Kleberg or DTH who has a you know a, a guy in my 30s and now 40s. Uh, just enjoy carrying that uh, carrying that Canadian flag of rugby for us, and it's 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 a lot of enjoyment for me to actually listen to them tell their story, and I hope that's the sense that you all get from it as well. That it's it's a chance for these people to tell how they got to where they got and you know what their next plans in life are. So without further ado, Adam Kleberger's coming up next, and uh, I appreciate all my listeners and all the viewers that are watching online because it's uh, it's been a great journey and i just hope you've been enjoying this as much as i have been enjoying it with you all right so stay tuned for adam and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll sign off once the interview's over cheers so welcome back to the canadian ruck and uh, lucky enough today we have adam kleberger and uh, adam's uh <laughs> he was a dominant flanker in his day for canada especially i remember back in the 2011 world cup fear the beard i think he started the craze and uh, and uh, we're actually going to talk with Adam about his time with Rugby Canada and growing up and a few other things. So, Adam, welcome to the Canadian Rock. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's, let's get right into it here. So, my understanding, you were born in Alberta. Not a, not a huge rugby hotbed, but there's rugby there for sure. So, talk to us about how you became involved in the game, like the high school level, university, et cetera. What's your path there? Yeah, so grew up in a, in a really small town um, in Alberta, Elk Point. Uh, population was 1,500, and I think that's probably decreased since since when I lived there. Um, and I actually didn't start playing rugby until I moved over to uh, BC. So BC was my first int uh, introduction to the game. Grew up playing hockey in, in uh, Alberta, as many of us do, and uh, moved over to the West Coast. And then in grade 8, um, I was really lucky to have some really influential coaches uh, surrounding me, the the Shivani brothers, a guy named Jay Black from from the Bayside Club, uh, and then Paul Horn at Semiamu Secondary School, and they really put the uh, the interest of rugby into me, and um, I found myself getting being more and more interested in getting to rugby games rather than hockey games. So at 16, I, I decided to hang up the skates and uh, put the boots on full time. So that's great. So you started basically, you know, mid-teens and then 16, it's just kind of developed into that passion. So you finished high school. Where did you go from there? Um, finished high school and then I did a, uh, a half term at UVic playing with, uh, with Doug Tate, another really great influence. Um, but I'd always had the interest of going overseas to, to play game, the game and uh, get some experience. So I actually did my half term at UVic and then I had headed down to uh, Australia and I played a season with the Warringah Rats. Uh, out of uh, North Sydney in the northern beaches there, which was a great experience. I ended up playing uh, second grade with their senior team. So uh, as, a, as a young guy, 
you know, little ba- little baptism by fire, getting thrown into the mix with some of the guys that uh, have been playing for a lot longer than I have, you know, with, with Australians and other countries, New Zealanders and, and people in the UK. Um, they start playing the game a hell of a lot, long, a lot younger. Uh, so they have a lot more wisdom. Uh, they understand the game a lot better. And for me, that was a big um, learning opportunity is, is getting into that environment and having some of um, my, my fellow players uh, in that team give me some instructions and give me some guidance on how to see the game rather than just what I'd known in the past was head down and try and bust through. Yeah, it's definitely played at a different level in some of those areas. So it's good that you get that experience relatively early on. Um, so walk us through that. So you, you left Australia, you had a cup of coffee playing pro in Europe, um, you know, played a little bit professionally. How did that transpire? Like, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky that when I came back from Australia, I got some opportunities with Sevens guys. So I did a couple Sevens tours and then, um, you know, uh, got a bit of an opportunity with the 15s team in 2005, I think was my first cap. Um, uh, was doing my, my, my school, so I was continuing to do my education at UVic and taking opportunities to go on tours when they came available. And then in 2008, after I went to the World Cup in 2007, in 2008, I, uh, I went to the Rotherham Titans. That's uh, the, uh, I think it's the championship still, the English Championship League. So played a season there. And uh, again, great learning opportunity playing against a higher level competition. I'd say that was a good realization for me during that uh, stint uh, that the quality of rugby or the level of rugby um, is definitely higher in other parts of the, of the world. But I would also say having had the opportunity to be in a full-time training environment when I was here previously that I think we have one of the better training environments. Uh, you know, we, we do have uh, a lot of the facilities that some of these pro setups don't even have. And we have a lot of the support personnel, whether it's nutritionists or um, sports psych. Um, and, and I do think within Canada, our training environments are, are one of the better ones that I've been a part of. That's pretty cool to know. I don't think many people would have would have understood that what Rugby Canada can offer is better than some of the pro the pro athlete or the pro teams over in Europe. So that's really that's really interesting for sure. So I guess let's follow that up. Major League Rugby now, kind of two and a half years in and kind of gets shut down, but uh, not much you can do about that. How do you think that's going to help rugby in Canada, rugby in America, like rugby on this side of the pond where we now have professional rugby uh, to help train these guys so that, you know, like you were – Chauncey, whoever, if you want to play pro, you had to go overseas. And then sometimes you would miss those national games. Um, you know, maybe you miss some caps because your, your pro team will let you leave your contract for an extended time. How's that going to help our boys are, you know, over here on this side of the pond? Yeah, I think I, I'm a strong believer that competition builds success. Uh, so having more higher quality teams that our players are involved in, uh, gives those those players an opportunity to to see what the game is like from a higher level, uh, and and I mean no disrespect meant to some of the local rugby that we have here, it is it is a good level, and we know we we're really uh, fortunate that we have um, some quality games across the country, uh, but it, it is it is a big step from playing club rugby to then stepping onto the international stage, so I think the MLR gives us a really good stepping stone. It gives us a bit of a higher quality competition. The guys are are in professional environments. So, you know, everybody who is there is there to, to play rugby. It's not uh, something that people do uh, as a weekend gig. And, and again, nothing wrong with that. I think there's there's a huge upside to rugby and the social side of things as well. But it's, it's just so hard to take that leap from from playing social rugby on the weekends and then and then jump into the internationals. Yeah, 100% agree. It's, uh, I think it'll be great. It's just, I'm not, Obviously, it's in the infancy stages, but when you can draw some big names across, uh, like, you know, like the Beast and things like that, it's just it's going to add to the league itself and, and help those players become better. Uh, you, you speak about the social rugby, and I think absolutely it's hard to make that jump even from like the Castaway Wanderers or something, you know, up to the next level. But it's also great for rugby when you have those local clubs so that players – you know, that don't have the skill to move on. They have a place to play for, you know, 20, 30 years and stuff like that. So let's talk, you, you kind of briefly mentioned the 07 Rugby World Cup. Walk us through that a little bit, you know. You were, a, you know, kind of a bright-eyed rookie maybe in 07 and you just had your first cap in 05, you said. And uh, talk to us, a bit, I guess, about those two, those two chances that you had to represent Canada at the World Cup. 
Yeah. Uh, for me personally, very, very different, two very different experiences. So like you said, uh, fairly new to the team coming in to the 2007 World Cup. Um, and, you know, I, I think any any competitive player has a huge burning desire to get on the field. And I didn't get that very many that many opportunities to do so in 2007. So there, there was definitely some frustration in that tournament for me. Uh, a lot of learnings as well. I think one of the bigger learnings that I took out of that tournament was that it's it's not about me. It is about the team and what I can do to contribute to that team in, in whatever capacity uh, that is, whether it's, you know, holding a bag during practice or running water during a game. Um, that does still contribute to the team's success, even though I definitely want to be on the field, you know, blood, sweat and tears with the guys. Uh, so, but yeah, 2007 was definitely a bit more of a frustrating one for me, but I think that was a necessity to, to help me with my development. How old were you in 07? In 07, I would have been 23. So still quite young in your, your rugby career. Yeah, yeah, still still starting out in, in relative terms, for sure. But when you look back, though, you, you recognize that it was a good stepping stone, but you look at even something as simple as Super Rugby right now, Dan Carter's carrying water for the Blues. You know, you, watch, you look at, uh, I remember 2011 when you guys played New Zealand, uh, Richie McCaw was carrying water for the All Blacks. It, uh, so I mean, you see those things happen, you recognize, oh, I did that too, you know. So that's, that's interesting. Okay, so, you know, rookie in o, the 07 Rugby World Cup, earning your stripes. Fast forward to, to 2011 in New Zealand, and uh, Team Canada kind of, you know, it was, a, it was a great showing by you guys. Talk to us about that environment and your expectations and, I guess, you know, the fear of the beer craze, you know, that kind of went crazy there that, that uh, for that month and a half in September, October. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of uh, team dynamics going to the World Cup, I think that's one of the uh, strongest knit teams that I felt part of. Uh, I think we had a lot of really good leadership people in that group, in, in that team. Uh, obviously, Pat as our captain, but then, you know, Andrew Monroe, Ryan Smith, um, Ed Fairhurst. We just had, we'd had guys all the way down the line. Jamie Cudmore. We just had guys all the way down the line. Um, that would consistently hold hold us as a team to a, to a really high standard, um, but also knew that it was was more about you know us being connected than about us you know doing everything perfect. Because as long as we're doing everything together, you know we'll we'll take care of the stuff that's not perfect by by doing it all together. Um, in terms of the uh, the the beard, yeah, I mean. It's kind of funny, myself, Hubie, and, and Jeb uh, all independently started uh, growing beards. We actually didn't know that each other were, were growing beards <laughs> until we got together for the uh, pre-World Cup camp, so that was a bit of a surprise. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I don't know, something about it just took off. It was, it was pretty cool to be uh, playing the games and then watching people in the crowd. I, I don't really uh, pay attention much to what's happening around me when I'm, when I'm in the game, but after the, the games, it's really awesome to go around the stadium and uh, see people with the beards and all the other Canadian get up. I mean, that yeah, that experience was one of the well was the highlight of of my rugby career. Well, it, it still kind of stayed on. I mean, it's been nine years, and you watch players now, and a lot of guys are sporting the beards. Whereas prior to that, it really wasn't a, it wasn't a thing. So it's, I think Canada set off something there. I, I have been reminded that I, I can't take credit for beards. Beards were, were around before me, so I, I, won't, I won't take credit for the beard. But who's feeding you that line? It, there's never no such thing as a beard before you came along. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so talk about after that, though. So after the after the World Cup, you and Rick Mercer got together from the Rick Mercer Report. Good Newfoundlander, very funny guy, great politically with his activism. Um, you guys were raising money and awareness, something to do with, I think it was Movember and possibly the Christchurch rebuild. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, well, um, so I think while we were playing games, uh, I think Rick Mercer actually made a comment about, uh, about me and my beard, uh, in one of his shows. So we knew that he was aware of something. And then, uh, you know, I, I'd mentioned to some of, some of our marketing team, um, that, you know, I'd, I'd like to, you know, if I can raise some charity, raise some money for charity, if I'm going to shave the beard off. Uh, and to be honest with you, I, I didn't have a lot of involvement from that point forward. Um, they kind of took it and ran with it. And I just was told when to show up and uh, I'm, I'm good at uh, being at places on time. So that worked out. That's the athlete in you, I guess. Yeah. 
so that that's still pretty cool though you're, you're able to you're able to contribute to Movember. i took part in that for quite a number of years and helping with the christchurch rebuild after that uh after that earthquake i think was uh was pretty impressive and i mentioned to you before the pod uh i was on i was on with uh the guys from super rugby and they were commenting about the 2019 world cup and how amazing it was to watch the canadians go down and clean up after the or after the uh the devastation, the monsoon, the typhoon that hit there. And he said, you know, both of them said, like, no other teams did that. You know, here's here's the Canadians, you know, 30 of them out slogging away. And, and they said, us as Kiwis and other rugby people in the, around the world, like, have a new, newfound respect for Canada. You know, that's something that you did in 2011. And I think it's just something that in Canadians' hearts that we like to do our best to, to help people when they're down, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think... That's probably a bit of a Canadian identity, not necessarily a Canadian rugby identity, but uh, us as, a, as an entire nation is, um, you know, we, we do want to uh, give back to the global um, health and we want to make sure that, you know, our fellow humans are, are doing well. And um, yeah, I mean, the Christchurch uh, Relief Fund, uh, it was, I had the opportunity to live in uh, New Zealand for a little while and uh, got, got the chance to visit Christchurch after the, uh, the earthquake. And that's something that, uh, you know, when, when tragedy strikes, uh, that's when we have to bond together. So it was, it was great to have that opportunity. Awesome. All right. So we're at a segment now, Adam, that's we call the quick fire. So I've got about 20 short questions here. Just something to kind of, you know, our, our listeners to understand you as a, as a person a little bit better. So, you know, they're for fun. Um, but, you know, you can be serious. You can be fun. It's entirely up to you. So. First few kind of have to do with rugby, and the rest are kind of that you as a per, you and your personality. Cool. All right. Number one, best team you ever faced? Georgia in Georgia. Really? They're tough. They're tough. tough. It's a very tough place to win a game. It's a very tough uh, environment to play in. Uh, those guys have a hell of a lot of national pride. Awesome. All right. Best player you ever faced? Uh, probably Jerome Kano. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to, uh, to meet him when I was living down in New Zealand, uh, playing there. And, uh, one of the nicer guys that I've ever met, he really, he went out of his way to, to introduce himself to me. And, uh, we sat down and had a bit of a chat. Um, but he is, yeah, he was, he was a, a challenge to play against. He's, he's got a size, he's got some speed, he's got some strength and he can, uh, he can move the ball around too. Yeah. He'd be intimidating, I think. All right, toughest player you ever faced. And it could be Kano, but the toughest player. I usually say the guy that you don't want to look up and see coming at you one-on-one. Um, yeah. Nobody will answer it that way, but that's usually what I try and give. So. Um, hmm. my, my, my immediate thought is uh, Gergadze from, from Georgia. Uh, and just for the same reason that Georgia is a hard place to, to play rugby is – he sort of epitomizes that nationality, just a, a really hard man to, um, to bring down um, and has a, a work ethic that is, uh, you know, symbolic of his, his nation's uh, work ethic. Fair. All right. Sevens or fifteens? Both. <laughs> oh, no, no, you got you to choose. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I mean, there's there's benefits to both. I mean, tour culture is very different on both teams. Uh, sevens is really really enjoyable, but exhausting. Uh, <laughs> I've never been as tired in a in a in a eighty minute game as I have in a fourteen minute game, which surprises the heck out of me. Yeah. Uh, but there there's something about being with a big group of guys and trying to achieve something uh, as a whole in in the fifteens game. So it sounds like fifteens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to give you an answer. <laughs> Best match you were ever a part of? That's uh, I got two there too. I'm, I'm not going to be sitting on the fence. Uh, one is Churchill Cup against France A. Uh, we're the Churchill Olympic. Cup. What's that? I miss the Churchill Cup. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a fun one to be a part of. Um, pulled out a win on the very last play of the game in that one, and um, that France A team had some pretty pretty good players in it and then uh yeah i mean tonga world cup 2011 fair enough that's a good game too favorite rugby tradition i mean post-game hangouts whether that's with a beer or not but just post-game spending time with your opposition and 
shaking their hand and, and you know that's something that you don't see in I can't I can't think of any other sport that you see that in um and that's uh epitomizes my my enjoyment of the game of rugby respect and camaraderie that goes along with rugby yeah, absolutely best team you played with mm, probably um yeah the Auckland team from the ITM cup um so I got one year there didn't get a lot of game time, but I got a couple games in. Um, and, you know, the level of rugby there is is high. And they have depth and, you know, they have so many players coming through their development system that we never see on the world stage, but are, are legit players that probably get a, get a shot in, on national teams in, in most other countries. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, best nickname. Doesn't have to be yours, but just – one of your mates, their best, the best nickname. I think Jason Marshall, Meat. Meat? Meat. Like, <laughs> just meat. He's just a meaty guy. He's a, <laughs> a <full> meat. <laughs> Fair enough. Your nickname? Ah, uh, Klebs. Yeah, not original. No. All right. All right. So, who was? Have you have you been watching the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix? I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. Who's your Jordan? Who's your Pippin? Who's your Robin that you have played with? Okay. Jordan would be I'm going to go with Andrew Monroe. He, he's, he's a bit of a maestro. He, sets, he set things up really well. He had a great kicking game. Uh, great passing game. Could have a good tackle game. Good defense game. At times. There was there was time. There was time. So sometimes there's hair miss. Uh Pippin, I'd say and go with Carps. Oh yeah. Just uh, just consistently like you always knew we were gonna get out of Carps. He just consistently um solid and rarely made errors. Uh never went backwards in a tackle, never went backwards with the ball. Um just a really solid player. Very versatile too. Yeah. <laughs> Hooker to eight to yep. where I put him. Just yep. don't let him in the lineup. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, and Rodman. Are you going to say you? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Jebby's probably in there. Jebby likes yeah. to tussle things up a little bit. Yeah, I go Jebby. That's fair enough. All right. Any three people you would take golfing, alive or dead? Uh. Well, because we're in rugby, I got to go with Smitty. <laughs> Smitty, Ryan Smith's always up for a game, um, although he, he'd uh, definitely kick my ass. Well, you don't want to take something that's going to smoke you, though. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm learning, though, right? It's, it's Fair enough. Learning. Um, and then uh, just other, other people that I, I guess, not necessarily that I know how, how they are as golfers, but just people I'd like to, to pick their brain a little bit. Uh, one would be Marcus Aurelius. Which nice. is a stoic yeah. emperor. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I follow a lot of Ryan Holiday stuff, and so I'm, I'm a little bit into the, the stoicism uh, stuff. And then, um, shoot, we got to get somebody fun in there. Adam Sandler or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. We'll throw. Uh, what are we going to throw in there? Ah, uh, let's go with Maniac. Maniac Dalla. Sounds funny. He's not intentionally funny, but he's, he's hilarious. Okay. That's, that'd be a good golfing group, I think. <laughs> All right. Got a few of these left. Chips or cookies? Cookies. Sweet tooth. What kind? Mm, I like peanut butter. Oh, no, ginger molasses. I like the ginger ginger molasses. Oh, the yeah. old man cookie. Nice. <laughs> Old French, French fries or onion rings? French fries. Poutine, yeah, or, poutine or plain? What's that, sorry? Poutine or plain? Ah, probably plain. Right. Yeah. Favorite beer? Ooh, there's there's a lot of selection here. I know, I know, <laughs> you know that might be. Uh, you know, not well, well, well uh, heard or well seen. But I do like the craft beers. Yep. Uh, I like I like a hazy IPA. Uh, Yellow yeah. Dog five, High Five is probably my favorite. Is that from out? That's out west. 
Yeah, from uh, Port Moody. Okay. A guilty pleasure. Uh, football on Sundays. <laughs> I can spend a lot of time watching football on Sundays. Who's your team? Seahawks. I like the locals. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, best place for a post-match beer? The local downtown is not a bad spot here in Victoria. You got lots of sunshine on the patio. The name of it's the local. The local, yeah. Like it's, uh, it's actually uh, there's there's some rugby ownership in there as well, so you know supporting the boys. Nice. What series are you binge watching right now? Well, it was uh, it was the Jordan one? Yeah. Better polish that off. And I've got two left. Don't tell me how it ends. <laughs> And um, I'm actually with with, uh, with the girlfriend. We're watching The Crown. Oh, is that any good? It is. Yeah, it's she, it's, cho- she chose it. Eh? She she did, but I I mean I'm not gonna say I don't enjoy it. Fair enough. Okay. What uh, what's your favorite movie? Uh, Top Gun. Nice. You're excited for Top Gun too. Uh, remakes are never as good as the original, but I'll watch it. Is it a remake or it looks like he's the actual instructor now or something? Yeah, but it's not the, it's not the original. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So who would play you in a Netflix movie of your life? Uh, Bradley Cooper. Oh, shooting high. All right. I like it. <laughs> who would play the leading lady? Just uh, hint, Connor Trainer would not answer this question. Who would play the leading lady? He would answer that, eh? He wouldn't answer it. Nor would Phil Mack. As in, as in, like, who would I want to play the leading lady? It's entirely up to you. Man. Let's go with uh, Amy Poehler, just because. She'd be funny. Yeah, she'd be funny. All right, last, last one for these ones. Who had the biggest impact on you as a player? Uh, it's probably Saul Stabani. Yeah, he's, he was the, the coach at Bayside when I started out there. He coached me in grade eight as well. Um, so he was really the guy who, who got uh, me hooked. But, I mean, yeah, Paul Horn and, and Doug Tate definitely had big influences as well. Awesome. All right, so we've got a few questions left, and these are, you know, we're out of the quickfire segment, so thanks for that. It's always fun. As a, as a you know, former national player, now somebody that works for Rugby Canada, what are your thoughts on what makes a great team player? I think um, a lot of it is, um, you know, how, how you interact with others and how you carry yourself. I think uh, it's really easy, especially as you get more involved in uh, higher levels of rugby, to, to start to develop an ego. And, and I don't think ego is very helpful in uh, making you a good team player. So, you know, humility, um, hard, working your butt off. I think we, we've been talking a lot lately with uh, – within the organization about how much uh, hard work can make up for, you know, what might be some of our perceived lacks of, of skill because we don't play the game from such a young level. But something I think we as Canadians do, do really well is, is work our butts off. Um, so, yeah, humility, hard work, and uh, a little bit of humor. That's good. So give me a couple of players that you shared the pitch with that would encompass the humility, the hard work, the humor, stuff like that. Who stands out to you? Uh, first one I can think of is Pat Riordan. Um, yeah, I think he, he he was, you know, he was our captain for a while there, especially through the 2011 World Cup. Um, and I think he embodies what it means to be Canadian. Uh, he, he definitely went out of his way to connect with everybody on that team. And sometimes that means um, you got to connect with them on their level because, you know, not everybody's going to connect with you on yours. So, yeah, I think he knew how to connect with people. I think he knew how to uh, put the team first. And um, I think because of that, we, we were able to be successful in that, uh, that World Cup. Yeah, that's a good choice. All right, so let's look at, uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Talking about player safety. So I, I found a, a quote online of this, uh, this woman's blog that she wrote in 2013, and she quoted you quite a lot in it, and I really like this. You said this, during or around the 2011 World Cup. Typically in Canada, people perceive rugby players as being these goons who go out on the field, 
smash, smash each other around, get bloodied and bruised, and then go drink a beer afterwards. I think it comes down to exposure and getting people to see there's more to it than that. You go on to talk about respect uh, within the game itself and how it can kind of differ from other sports. Can you talk to us about player safety and the respect aspect that comes so, that's so ingrained in rugby and you don't actually understand it until you become part of it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially from an outsider's perspective, I can understand uh, what it looks like visually, right? Like it is, you know, a high collision, high contact aspect. And you often do have people who are coming off the field with, with blood and there's injuries and, and everything else. And there's definitely those moments in games where you see somebody go down and, and it can look pretty scary. Um, but I think we also have to remember that there are um, lots of points in uh, other aspects of life. I mean, injuries happen and, and things like that in, in other aspects of uh, other games or other sports, but also in other aspects of life. And, you know, I, I worry about getting to a point where we start to, to bubble wrap things. And I, and I don't say that from a, you know, we don't need to protect people because we definitely do. And I think, you know, world rugby is being proactive in how they're trying to address some of the concerns around injuries and uh, player welfare. Uh, you know, I've, I've had some concussions myself and I, I know that there's a danger. There's, there's a risk in playing the sport, but it also wouldn't have ever wanted to remove myself from the game because of all the value that, added, that was added, you know, um, there's, there's just, yeah, there's just so much um, that could be decided by fear as opposed to giving ourselves the opportunity to understand what we can do to, to mitigate the risks. You know, we have our changes in the tackle um, regulations, uh, you know, HIA, I think rugby is being pretty proactive in a lot of those things. Uh, and it's trying to figure out how can we still, you know, allow for people to express themselves through this game, but also make sure that we're protecting them and their long-term welfare. I think that's great. I think if, if you look at uh, what's going on with Super Rugby New Zealand, changing the laws around the breakdown, refs being more strict on offside, being more strict on players coming off their feet and rocks and stuff like that, I think that adds to it as well. Um, yeah, that, I think that's great. So not to put you on the spot, but what would you say to a parent that says, like, Adam, my kid really wants to play rugby? You know, she's a 15-year-old girl. She's never played before. What do you tell that parent when, if they come up to you and ask you about that? Well, I just say that knowledge is, knowledge is key. Give yourself an opportunity to go and ex experience what it is to be a part of the sport. And, and that doesn't mean you have to jump in and play your first game, uh, having never been involved before, but go down to the club and, you know, ask some people about it and start to get an understanding of what it means to be a rugby player and, and what, what are the, how is the tackle coached and, um, yeah, I think if we just look at it from an outside perspective, it can look look scary. But if we get in, into the uh, deeper understanding of it, that probably would clear up a lot of the uh, the concern. Yeah, I think so. Especially if the parents are willing to sit and have a conversation with somebody that's knowledgeable and, and can help explain what's happening. That's one thing I like about coaching rugby as opposed to when I coached hockey and 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 uh, you know baseball and other sports. For me, I walk the sidelines and. A lot of times I'll mingle with parents from both sides of the team because they'll ask, like, why, what's that penalty? Why is, why is my team getting in trouble? What did my son do? And you can kind of say, well, this is what happened. And parents are like, great. You, you can't do that in hockey. You're starting to fight in the stands more than likely. Right? So, and I love hockey, but, you know, it's just a, it's a different beast. For sure. So you're working at Rugby Canada now, Talent ID and Strength and Conditioning. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, move, moving a little bit away from uh, the SNC stuff and, and more towards talent ID. Okay, well, talk to us about that. Like, when you're looking in, at those ID sessions, what do you look at? You look at talent and skill, you look at character, heart, team dynamics. I mean, you've talked about some of this stuff already, but if you're looking for, you know, the next U18 player, the next U20 player, you know, looking for guys that you can develop towards the national team, what are you, what are you looking for in that, in your role? Yeah, yeah, I mean, and talent ID is a really complex uh, thing because you're right there's those traits that are inherent or those traits that you can't train like size like you, how, how we can't train somebody to be taller or bigger um, well I guess in the gym we could in some ways <laughs> but uh, um, <laughs> can't, yeah 
no, there's, there's certain things that we, we just, you know, those are genetically inherited or genetically influenced and we can't make a big difference to them. But then there's a lot of other ones that, you know, player skill, um, you know, their, their technique with tackles or whatever else it might be that are, that are trainable. And that's almost like a development tool as well. What we're trying to do is step away from having specific talent ID sessions because, you know, a player could not, perform their best on that one day and and that shouldn't exclude them from being involved in the future we want to try and you know cast a broad net and open up the opportunity to those kids that have the desire the drive uh, and the ability to to play at the, ne the the next level so casting that really broad net and, and we're actually we're developing a bit of a scout network across the country so that um, we have people that are at local games and watching club and watching high school and able to give us an idea of how players are progressing or which players we need to have more take more interest in you know we have limited resources to be able to support a large group of athletes so we want we got to be a little bit more um, targeted with the ones that we are able to support uh, and then uh, give them the the training and, and the tools necessary to compete at that that next level um so a lot of those sorry go ahead. i was just gonna say so what do you do if you know you send me a text something and say listen jamie uh you know what's the what's the what's the under 18 age group? What's the high school age group looking like in Southern New Brunswick? And I said, well, there's these three kids that, you know, I've met. They're super great kids. They've got great character. They've got a ton of skill, but we're, we're in New Brunswick. What, do you, what, what can happen for those kids on the Atlantic coast where BC is so far away, right? That training ground. What happens then? Like, what are those steps? So yeah. And the idea is to just start to get people involved in the system. So at this point we have, uh, nationally, we have our U18, we have our U20, we have the Pride now, which is a really great introduction because we didn't have anything to support players in that sort of gap. The yeah, MLR, Jamie, really, Jamie Cudmore's, Jamie Cudmore is going to be on uh, in a pod here soon too. So, oh, nice, yeah, he'll have some some information to share about that, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, having having the Pride is is a is a great um, program uh, that exists between um, those age gap those age gaps. And then, as you're saying, we got the MLR coming in, uh, and then you know there's still the sevens and the fifteens national teams as well. So, you know, it, it depends on where the player is at with their development and their age, and trying to get them involved in uh, either like a regional ID camp so that we can have them involved at a higher level and they get some exposure, uh, as well as you know potentially put their hands up to selection for that national age grade team. Uh, we don't, you know, the reality is is we don't have. Um, academies across the country we have really good people across the country that are doing some really good things and and we're going to hopefully be able to leverage that a little bit and then we have our university system and our university system is probably one that we can continue to try and um, invest in i think that's a great tool for us to use to try and get more of the uh, those right athletes uh, playing at a, at a higher level uh, and giving them some of the development tools to, to success at the for success of the national team that's fair. So I think that's great. And this, again, this is a kind of a question off the top of my head. And I usually ask it to the guys that are from BC predominantly, but what can the rest of the country do to kind of get caught up so that we're helping rugby Canada? Like, you know, the Maritimes or Atlanta Canada might be a little further behind than Ontario, BC, but what, what can we do or what can rugby Canada do to help us get caught up so that our, our national teams are stronger? Oh, I mean, our success is always going to be based on our grassroots, right? Like the, the ability for clubs to engage with players and just get them interested in the game, get them playing, get them um, excited about it and give them a little bit of coaching. Like we don't necessarily need them to have, you know, these elite academies. I don't think that's, that's necessary across the country. It'd be great to have. Um, but at this point it's just trying to get players to continue to be interested. I know, I know sometimes it's a struggle, uh, with like you said, the concerns around um, injuries and, and stuff like that. We're trying to get players into the game, get them interested in the game, and then sharing information. I think we're trying to be more transparent with what we're doing at the national team level. Um, and I think that would help for you, for, for people across the country to be able to um, understand how what they're doing impacts uh, national team success. And, and I, I really do think it's just, you know, getting players excited about playing rugby. I mean, nobody, nobody starts playing rugby with this idea of national team success. I think that's something that develops once you start to enjoy what you're doing. Uh, and, and that's where I think the, the clubs and high schools across the country are, are, are doing a job and just we need them to continue to do so. 
you're and you're kind of bouncing around but you haven't said but like multi-sport athletes you're talking about you know kids that don't really get into the game until they're later in life you know later ages in life and it can be very hard sometimes now with the the drive to be a single sport athlete because you're going to the nba you're going to the nhl and whatnot and that really impacts uh rugby because uh, we talk about parents sometimes will say no because it's going to hurt your chances of going somewhere else you're kind of you're kind of hitting that without actually saying it but in my mind that's what that's what you're kind of talking about yeah i mean rugby is probably a bit of a later entry sport compared to, you know, hockey or soccer or some of the more traditional North American sports. Um, and so I think we have to be a little bit more flexible to, to having athletes come in and out of the system. And, and I think that's probably beneficial for their development as well. Um, I know, like, you know, I, ho- I hope that um, athletes are involved in lots of sports when they're younger. Not, not to say that it doesn't, there doesn't come a time where you have to, you know, put all your eggs in one basket because you do have to focus on one thing to be really good at, the, at that one thing. Um, but that doesn't, doesn't need to be, um, right away. I think there's, there's lots of time for, for experimentation and for athletes to, you know, really develop a love for, for a sport. And if that's rugby, then that's great. So last question, Adam, and it's not really a question, but love to hear some old rugby stories, something, you know, that, you know, something funny, something, feel free to throw a teammate under the bus, just something that you enjoy that kind of sums up what rugby was like for you growing up or with the national team. I mean, I, I just had some really great experience. I mean, as, as much as uh, you enjoy playing the game and, and that's why you're there and um, why you're preparing, uh, I've just had some really great times with guys on tour when we're not on the field. Uh, and uh, everything's PC, unfortunately. But, yeah, just going out for <laughs> games of golf or, uh, you know, we I remember we had a, a day in Arizona and we did, like, an amazing race thing where we had uh, – the different checkpoints we had to to see. We did the same thing in, in Whistler where we were given, I think, a dollar fifty, and we had to co- collect all these different uh, tokens and bring them back to the <laughs> the training center. So, yeah, just I mean, sometimes really hard work. I remember we did the the gross grind. We've done some other like really grueling um, physical physical things. Uh, just time with the guys doing stuff in really cool parts of the world. It's pretty cool. That's good. Um, any last thoughts? Anything you want to talk about? You know, anyone want to talk about Rugby Canada, your role, anything? Or, and we don't have to, but I always like to see if anybody wants to just add something else that I might not have covered, you might not have covered. Yeah, I mean, just to, to give a bit of more clarity to, to my role. So I, I am pretty new into it, but we realize that uh, we haven't done a great job at supporting athletes that have the desire to play at the next level. And uh, that's what we're trying to create. And like I said, it is casting a really broad net. It is trying to to collect information from across the country, from people who are in those regions. There's no way that we, you know, here in Victoria can uh, understand what's going on in New Brunswick as well as, as you can. So it's it's stretching our network and making sure that we're connecting people in the regions that have, uh, who are at the games and have eyes on the players. Um, and then, you know, that transparency piece is huge. So we do want to have uh, reports on players and how they're doing. And then hopefully there's a two-way street where we can give you guys the opportunity to see which players we're interested in. Um, and, and, and I hope that that's a relationship that we can continue to build with uh, each region because uh, there's definitely potential across this country. There's some really talented guys um, that either don't get involved in the game because they get pulled into other sports um, or they're not ever given the opportunity. And uh, we're hoping to, to capture more of those guys and give them the opportunities that hopefully they want to take advantage of. That's great. Hopefully it, uh, hopefully it does work out and that you, uh, you cast that net, as you say, and find a whole crop of players that are able to move up, uh, both male and female, and, and, and continue moving Canada forward up the world rankings and doing well. Anyway, Adam, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. It's been an honor talking to you and uh, all the best with your town ID and staying safe during the COVID. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Great stuff. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for coming on today. It's a, it a pleasure chatting with you and uh, gaining your insights on rugby in Canada, especially the talent ID program. We hope that uh, turns out to be a great, great resource for Rugby Canada. So thanks for your efforts in that job. And thanks for your efforts as playing for Canada as well. 
Uh, love to have you back on again. Maybe at another date we can do a little roundtable. But got a few good guests coming up over the next uh, next little while. We have Jamie Cudmore on deck. He'll be coming up. His pod will be released shortly. Shortly after that is Pam Buisa, uh, up and rising seven star on the Canadian national team. Talks to us about her role with Canada and also the Black Lives Matter movement. And we have Karen Paquin. Uh, <laughs> she was absolutely hilarious to talk to. She also does ice canoeing. Uh, which is a real thing. I had never heard of it. Uh, she sent me some YouTube clips. Uh, it looks pretty intense. And then we have Jeff Hassler, a uh, great guy, lots of fun to chat with. Uh, you'll enjoy that conversation as well. Shortly after that, we'll have Nadia Popov. Uh, Nadia played for Rugby Canada, and she's also a mental health advocate, so that's going to be an interesting take. And then we have the legendary Mike, Mark Wyatt. Uh, will be coming up shortly as well. Uh, Mark uh, Mainstone, uh, mainstay for Canada back in the 90s. Uh, at one point here in St. John, I, I watched him play with Canada against Scotland, and he uh, he had kicked uh, 20 some points, which at the time was uh, the world record for most points in a game. I think it was around 28. I'd have to double check my stats, uh, but we're excited to have him up as well. Uh, you know, parts of the world, COVID's uh, dissipating a little bit, knock on wood. Other parts, it's on the rise. Here in Atlantic Canada, we are knock on wood, one of the safest places around. Um, it, it's 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 nice to see, but we're still taking our precautions. Uh, so thank you to everybody that's looking after us during these times. Uh, as a usual, thanks to Ben Sound Music for supplying us tunes. Uh, you know, again, thanks uh, thanks Tobin for reaching out via email. Anybody else, contact me via Instagram, Twitter, email, Facebook, what have you. It's it's always nice to hear thoughts and uh, ideas for podcasts. Please reach out. And uh, that's it for this week. That's it for this pod. Uh, as usual, this is Jamie. And until next time, I'd just like to say, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and keep on rocking. <laughs>